Oh, daddy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight, I have our poser extraordinaire, Natai. It's finally here. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. We've been trying to do this recording for almost a month now, and every time we try to get together to do it, it keeps getting pushed back. Because, like, we've been doing so many, like, different episodes. It's podcasting between, like, this one and the last Monogatari we did. Like, so, like things just got in the way, but we're like, oh, maybe it's not such a bad yeah. idea to take, like, a good break, because we've been going through the series, like, in quite a quick pace, it feels like. Yeah, it, it fe- we've kind of been doing it, like, twice a month honestly we've been now we haven't had two spoiler cast a month come out but we've been recording about two monogatari spoiler casts a month that's right um for at least the last i want to say it's been at least the last six months almost um so we did take a break but yeah we're back we're back we're back and uh it's finally time to tie to finish up second season Um, yeah it's actually time i mean we we finished up second season like the actual second season last time with um uh Koi Monogatari mm-hmm. aka Hitagi End. Yeah, but now and, uh, uh but like Hanamonogatari is still a part of the like scored section of the series that is called second season. Um It is. It yeah. is. It but is. it was released like while the after anime... the like original quote unquote second season. Yeah, while the anime adaptation itself did uh get released after the anime part called second season uh finished airing, it's interesting that the the light novel that this is based off of was actually released in the middle of the other second season light novels, like almost yeah. smack dab in the yeah, middle. Yeah, and so so Shaft sort of like played around with the order, which kind of makes sense. Like so they like. It seems like the thought process was okay. Is like okay, we have like twenty six episodes for second season, and we have all of these different arcs. Now, again, as you said, in the light novels, Hanuman and Gatra actually takes place like was released uh, after I think it was uh, 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 Otori Monogatari, Nanako Medusa's arc. I believe so. Yes. So it was released after that. So you know, right after you have this like very like intense and very heavy arc about like you know oh shit Nadeko has gone mad and now she's threatening to kill Koyomi and Hitagi and whatnot you have this arc Hanamonogatari which like spoilers uh like starts with like a, a Kanmuru joking about oh my senpais are gone because they left for college so it sort of teases that hmm. um but Chef sort of and I'm kind of glad that Chef did it because this is a very misogynistic thing to do I think to like just deflate all the tension when you feel like it uh but Chef pretty much yeah. Decided to finish uh, second season with Itagi End and just like shuffled the order on and put Hanamonogatari, put out Hanamonogatari after they finished their like 26 episode run. Yeah. And I think that was actually a good good call on Shaft's Definitely. part, honestly. I'm very happy that you decided to do that. Um, so, um, before we get into like the actual meat of the story and, and talk about this, let's get into a little bit of the technical info. So, um, this was originally released as an OVA series, a five-episode OVA series, and it was edited together after the fact as a movie. Um, so there's two different ways, really, that you can watch this. I think you and I both watched the OVA version, correct? Yeah, it's like the movie edit, let's call it, that. like that is on Crunchyroll. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Um, 
and um the so and and the op and and the ed um so th- this is kind of interesting so originally the op was um shirushi by marina kawano and the ed was last day of my adolescence by miyuki sawashiro who was also the voice actor for um uh, comedy. Which is interesting because, um, like, Shirushi is very much a classic, like, ED art style sort of, like, theme. And, like, it, yeah. it's very present, like, in ED. Uh, well, Last Day of My Lessons, it feels like an actual proper OP. Um, it's just like, yeah, you switch them around. So that's, that's how it was originally done in the OVAs when they were originally put out. But when the series was put together in the Blu ray release for Hanumanagatari, the OPs and the EDs were switched around. Which um, so if you are watching the Blu-ray version, you're actually going to see those flipped around. Which is interesting because the OP, like I, I kind of like to put it in the end. I like it feels like it sort of gives a lot of details. You know, it's it feels a bit too much. It feels more impactful as well when you watch it by the end because like it's very like you're presented with all these different shots, like very emotional. But I think they're so emotional because. I watch them at the end of the story when you have all the context for this opening, right? Like it hits yeah. harder, it hits yeah. differently. When you, I, I can't imagine watching it before the arc, so like, it feels like it gives away a lot of details, and I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I can see it both ways, honestly. Mm. Um, I, but I, I do agree that um, the original OP, which becomes the ED, which is um, Shibushi, uh definitely has that classic Monogatari ED feeling. Now, I have a question. Which Kanbaru opening do you like better? This one or like uh, Last Day of My Adolescence or the Bakemonogatari OP she had? The Bakemonogatari OP. Nah. I do, yeah. This one is so good. Not to say that this is inherently bad. I just like the Bakemonogatari one more. I love this one. It feels so much more Kanbaru. Like, I love the sort of punk rock vibe of the song. It's what it well, and it's it's very basketball as well. Very, very much basketball. <laughs> much, much basketball. Much basketball. <laughs> so much <loud>. pain. <laughs> yes, much, much pain. Um, I love it. And so, um, and, and something else I did want to get into before um, we actually got into this. So, some of you may know this. Um, we stream pretty regularly, both on Twitch and on YouTube. Twitch.tv slash If you haven't followed dark. us, yes, yes, Twitch, Twitch.tv slash anime club after dark. Um, I would say put a couple inches in your penis, but I feel like that's... T- that's uh, Charlie's vid, yeah. <laughs> that's trademarked at this point. I can't say that. Um, but um, while we were doing a stream a couple of weeks ago, someone... Uh, and I, I'm sorry, I cannot remember who it was that said it. If, if, if this is you, please make yourself known in the comments below, wherever you're listening to this or watching this. Um, had mentioned to us that the entire reason that they got into... Um, the Monogatari series was because of listening to us talk about it. So um, I that just absolutely makes me flabbergasted. Yeah, like, thank you, awesome. first of all, for taking the time to listen to it. And the fact that just hearing us and our passion for it got you to finally sit down and watch something, that just means a lot to me. And I'm, I'm sure to Natasha. Yeah, yeah, really. It's like it's uh, when when I, I I wish I wrote down your name because like when I saw that on stream, I, I really was like, too. like it's kind of like if you're listening to this. If you're listening to this, like, you know, however long after we uh, publish this, it is like, seriously, make yourself known in the comments because like it, I will fucking pin this on YouTube if you just make yourself. Yeah, it's just like when I read that comment, it's sort of like, 
oh shit that's awesome like it really like i was just like genuinely happy it's it was a really really yeah. cool feeling you know so thank you yes so let's actually get into hanamanagatari let's do it so i i, bef- I, I want to ask you something that's because this is your what third time rewatching hana this is my third time yeah this is third time watching it so when you first watched it, how did you feel about Hana in relation to other parts of Monogatari? I I liked it. I thought it was it was like just a really good solid arc. I had my sort of like I wasn't too sure of it, like what to th- feel about it. Just like yeah, a lot of the arcs I have like this like to Saxon you have this very emotional connection to. And what when I watched Hana, I was like that that was really good. Like I was just kind of just having a good time with it, and that's about it. Uh, but yeah. I, I, not bad, yeah. but certainly not like. Great. It didn't like blow my mind, but I I really enjoyed it. Um, and, like it yeah. wasn't an, like there are very few arcs in Margatry which I don't didn't look forward to uh, rewatching them. But Hannah was one I was like, yeah, let's. Okay. I'm down to watching it again. And I think with each rewatch, I appreciate it more. See, I, I, I'm beginning to feel the same way. So when I first watched it, and when I got done with my original watch through of, of Monogatari back a few years ago. Um, I, Hana was my least favorite part of the entire series. Which that was beyond it, me. It's, like I didn't know why you felt like that way. It, well, I think part of it is because it comes right after something that is so strong, Hitagi End. Like, how do you follow that? Like, really? Yeah, but you gotta you gotta admit that I is, don't know. That it is felt a like a good like like a, like a good like a good sort of closure arc for second season. Like it felt like I I just really enjoyed. And again, with time, sort of more appreciated the, what the arc was going for. And of like Conber was her yeah. journey has like been sort of in stasis and feeling like very alone and stuck in time or whatever. I I just really yeah. like connected with that. Really. I liked it. But I remember, like, talking to you over the years about Hana, <clears throat> and, like, your reasons for, like, disliking it were kind of, like, beyond me. Like, I know one of the reasons you didn't like it much is, like, spoilers, uh, but, like, Aragi is the alcohol that much, which, was like, I was sort of surprised that was your re- one of your ratios with it. Yeah, what well, a lot like you, though, I feel like with additional rewatches, I am liking this arc more and more and mm. more, and I appreciate more about what it was able to do, especially coming after such a strong story arc oh, yeah. as Hitagian. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. But anyway, let's get into it. episode one. Um, so we, uh, we we get to see Kamburu's mom, kind of, sort of. For the and first hear- time, yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of in silhouette mostly, but we do get to, to hear her and see her. She's given a voice, and she's kind of a bitch. Yeah, Kamaru's mom is an interesting character, because, like, she's mentioned every now and then, but only, like, and now with retrospect, I understand, going forward, she is much more, like, of a figure in this world. You know, she was, at least when mm-hmm. she was alive. So it's interesting. This is her introduction. She's very, very strange she's like very she's like her monologue at the beginning is very confusing like i she almost speaks in metaphors yeah it's like she's just like fucking around with kamburu's head it's like uh okay she's a very interesting figure but she's like as the series will keep going moving forward uh, we'll get more uh details about her to some extent yeah um i i can see now why kaiki likes her though <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> We'll get to Kaiki. Uh, May you rest in peace. I mean, I feel I feel like they would have been a really good match. Just saying. Just saying. Can you imagine Kaiki as a dad? Oh, wait a second. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think we can in just a couple episodes. <laughs> um, but yeah. So this um, after the whole monologue with Com- what's actually really a dialogue 
that uh, Kamburu is remembering between herself and her mother. Yeah. Um, we have this monologue from Kamburu teasing the fact that uh, both um, Hitagi and Koyomi um, are gone. And I uh, love and that. And she still has the devils on that they were working on getting rid I wanna, of. I want to go back to the detail review because, again, it's such a fucking easy move to do. With, like, you, have, you start this arc in the middle of your like, like, second season and you just like had this like whole like drama thing about Nadako is going to kill them and da 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 And then you... you Fast forward a couple of months, like half a year by that point, because this arc takes place in April. And it starts with Kanamu talking about, oh, I miss my senpais, Itagi and Aragi. It's a shame they're gone because they moved to college. Like, it's like, yeah. it's like teasing that yeah, there's, it, like, there's... they're dead, but it's like, oh, no, they just moved to college. It's... Yeah, there is that implication that they're dead. And I feel like if they had actually had the the um the anime adaptation for this come out in the middle of second season it would have completely eradicated a lot of the tension for sure, that felt for sure. in Hitagi end so i'm again another reason why i'm glad that shaft did this the way that they did with the release game. yeah I, i'm very happy um, about that but but it also i also i just love that how how because sometimes like not to that extent but i i get that feeling when like you're maybe maybe you're in like like I had a similar feeling to some extent while I was in the army. So like at a, at a certain point, all my friends who drafted before me left, and I felt that sort of feeling like, oh, they're gone, they're alone. It's not the same here without them. And I I like that that sort of like that that feeling they that you explore in this arc in some ways. Yeah, like it. Yeah. Um. And then as uh, as Conver is walking to school, musing on this fact, uh, an old friend shows up in the tie. <laughs> Spooky Oogie has arrived. <laughs> Spooky Oogie. And Spooky Oogie has a... I was going to try and find a r- word that rhymes with penis that sounded like Oogie, but I can't. God damn it. So, Oogie. Oh, Oogie. Oogie is now a boy. How? Who the fuck knows? Yeah, she just arrives like wearing like a male's uniform. And I love how Kumbru is like, oh, why are you wearing a male uniform? And Oogie is like, I've always been a boy. What are you talking about? I was always and a boy. And Kumbru is like, okay. <laughs> she just goes on. Just just goes with it's like okay we're just gonna gloss over this it's fine it's fine it's fine but again here comes here comes Ogie just to set shit in motion and then just fuck off yeah it's it's I, one of my favorite things about second season as a whole is like Ogie is just there every now and then she's just there no much explanation she's just there and yeah, I love she, the intrigue that's built however you want to go with it she he like oh, man Marlon Gatry sure is uh, progressive. Yeah, it was ahead of its time. Um, but uh, Ogi is, like, whispering sweet nothings into Kamru's ear about the old devil-sama, uh, a person that just kind of goes around helping people, sounding a lot like what uh, Araragi used to do. Yeah, it's like, they, it's it's literally, like, she also talks about specifically, like, oh, the, like, this person, this devil-sama, doesn't, like, ever take money or anything like that. He just helps people. It's like, huh, like a certain pervert person I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and then obviously, um, Kamru goes and tries to find out more information about it, and she calls um Karen and Tsukihi. Um, yeah, so like she contacts Karen about it as well, like, because she she hears about it from Ogi, and then she hears about it from Higasa, one of her classmates. And then uh, yes. Karen's like t- uh, f- found out more details about how you can contact her. The, like she just like. Like the whole shtick with the, this devil summon is that 
you ask them for help and then like all your words disappear and you feel better uh, which sounds kind of weird uh, so with the help of Karen Cumber actually managed to find this devil summer Yes, and it's 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 someone that we have not seen yet, but we have heard about. Oh yeah, we've heard it like in the previous arc. In the in the very in the previous arc, we heard it from Kaiki himself in um in Hitagi End. Uh, the devil is uh, Numichi Roka, which I I forgot and, about it till this rewatch of Hitagi End. I never remembered that he that he like actually spoke her name, he, like mentioned he, it. He yeah, he name drops her just like casually and just goes, "Okay, bye." And it's like, oh, I met this this girl named Num- uh, Numichi Roka. It's like, uh, wh- wh- what? <laughs> what? What? This name sounds like we should know this. <laughs> Um, but she, I like, so we, we meet Roka. She has these bandages on her leg, uh, explains that she's still in rehab and we kind of get this, um, uh, I guess flashback you could call it from, uh, Kambru. It's like, Hey, they used to like be rivals mm-hmm. in basketball when they were in middle school. Yeah. And, um, um, uh, Roka ended up hurting her leg and had to like, kind of quit. retire yeah. from playing basketball quit, pl- quit playing basketball yeah and it seems like ever um, since and she wasn't able to take the entrance exams either yeah. um so she's uh so she's roughly the same age as Kambru, but she's not in school and she's unemployed and she has a bum leg basically so she's basically ha- she has all the time in the world to like go around and like do and help people which exactly like her motive she has more time to do this shit than koyomi yeah. did <laughs> which the motive for her helping people is like really the, like the cool shtick about her character actually yeah so i wanted to ask you about that so when you have this whole conversation between them in the first episode she lay uh roca lays out the whole reason that she does it and she kind of does it because of schadenfreude like she feels better by listening to the fact that other people have problems and like internally she's like <laughs> at least i'm not you which is interesting like i think a lot of people have been in that situation of Afraid is coming like for advice or is like in a very even not not necessarily a dark place but like in a very quote unquote miserable place so like a very like yeah. they're just like have all these things on their minds and like they have all these things that like just like troubling them and whatnot and you're just like listening to them and that sort of like twisted view of it of like she does it because it makes her feel better about stuff and less shitty about herself is like kind of like interesting you know yeah. Um, I, I was wondering, like, like, do you think that what she does is good? Because what she's doing essentially is she's putting this out there that, hey, there's this devil that solves problems and people can come to her either, you know, they can show up in person like um, Comber did, they can write letters or they can call. They tell the problems. And then since most of the, the issues that people come to her with are trivial, she just says, OK, I'll take care of it. And like the, the burden is kind of lifted somewhat off of other people's shoulders and typically Typically, these trivial issues kind of go away on their own, as most trivial issues do when you stop worrying about them. Um, but she also, for for larger problems that come her way, she does forward it on to the proper authorities, like police, like investigators, like you know, yeah. uh, uh, medical professionals, whatever, whatever it happens to be. So there's, I can see people thinking that what she does is bad because she's essentially lying to people, saying that she's going to solve problems and she doesn't. But she also does, like, forward on actual problems that need to be solved to the proper authorities. So is she and also, really like, something bad? And also, like, like to be, oh my god, to be devil's advocate, 
there's like <laughs> I, there's like an, an interesting argument to be had where it's like, well, she's just letting people like have a place to speak and share like their like things that are like bothering them because like. Yeah. Like not to get too and heavy, you'd be surprised but at how many trivial issues can be resolved just by talking, talking about yeah. About like them. not to get too heavy, like a lot of people need that sort of space, whether it be like friends or friends that they can just like let it all out and talk and talk about their problems. I mean, that's kind of what a psychiatric therapy is all about. Yeah, sort of. So there is like an argument to be had. It's just like her view of it is kind of like very twisted, you know. She's doing it's it's like she's doing the right thing for the wrong reason cuz she's doing it because she wants to feel that schadenfreude that she wants to feel like she wants to like bask in other people's misery. Yeah. But she's also doing good things because she's taking burdens off of people with trivial problems and she's forwarding like actual problems onto the right people who can do something about them. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so interesting. I, I don't think that what she's doing, and she's not taking any money for this either. Like, if she were taking money for this and then not doing stuff, yeah, I would see that being a problem. But the fact that she's taking no money for this, yeah, she's doing it for very selfish reasons. But the end result is typically positive. And I like how she sort of, like, from all the time of her, like, taking all these, like, sometimes even very stupid, like, requests and, like, things that people ask of her. Because she, again, she doesn't do anything with most of it. She just let, lets people talk to her and i love how she yeah. sort of like the sort of like one of her conclusions that came from that is like she she even says like the time will fix anything if you just like stop worrying about it and forget about it like things will fix themselves which is kind of like a nihilistic view i think like i don't know if i agree with that wholeheartedly but it's it sure is interesting time 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 alone will solve some issues particularly very trivial issues um, but like, I don't think as a general rule, time will solve every, well, I mean, eventually everyone that has the issue will be dead. So I guess in a literal sense, yeah, time. Yeah. But I don't think issues. like if you just stop worrying about things they'll, that like, they'll just solve themselves, you know? Yeah. Hmm. And Kamru like mentions this too. She's like, it just sounds like you're talking about people running away from their problems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's the kind of the issue that Kamru um um takes with it i also love that this this conversation between them ends with roca just like fondling her tits <laughs> so that's nice oh but that uh, just panned me to that to that kanburu fetish you know just being a lesbian and whatnot yeah um that was actually one of my original like um criticisms of hanamana guys like they should just like like just embrace it just fuck <laughs> just you two fuck Right, because uh, because we saw that in, before in this series. <laughs> yeah, I also love how it, uh, as she's walking away and she's going back home, she texts uh, <laughs> Koyomi yes. about how she got her tits fondled by a girl. And he's like, what? <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> when can I? <laughs> can I? <laughs> I, I, love, I, I, love the, I love the text with Koyomi. It's great. It's awesome. Mm. And it's it's funny because you don't know uh, um, at first who she sends a text to because it doesn't say. Um, you only find out later who she sends a text to, and I, it, you kind of get a sense that maybe she sent it to Hitagi and not Koyomi. But no, but then it's you Koyomi. see the response, and you know it's definitely Koyomi. That's that's sick, fuck. <laughs> um, and then so. There's also sort of this flashback that Kambu has about her mom telling her that, you know, worrying about things is typically a waste of time. Sort of going back yeah, um, to that, like, this idea. Like, if you stop worrying about things, they'll just, like, you know, blow over. Yeah. 
Um, and then we uh, we flash forward to uh, the next morning, which is uh, April 10th, and uh, she wakes up and finds out, oh, her her uh, devil arm, the rainy devil arm that she had is magically healed. It's it's back to the way it was. And, and that's how the first episode ends. Which is like a great hook. I think that's a re- one of like the best hooks we have had like in terms of like beginning of the arcs. Like in general, this first episode, I think it's a really solid opener for this arc. The, the the funny thing about it is that when she wakes up, she doesn't immediately realize that we we the audience do because we see her arm being healed. She doesn't immediately realize that her arm is a sword, and she's just going through the motions of wrapping it up like she always does. And like halfway through, she realizes, wait a minute. And then the, Where's all the hair? And, and then and then when she 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 goes for that run in the morning and she like starts running and you know she's sort of like off balance because she's not used to her arm not weighing so much with the devil's arm. And then she like falls over yeah. and trips over. And then like it it hurts and she starts crying because she she feels so like she has this sort of happiness. She feels something. She finally th- feels. Yeah, something. I think I, th- I think she's happy. I think that's like ha- just pure joy of like oh I can like feel something again. Like it's not it's gone. Like it's back to normal. Yeah, I love that scene. Yeah. So fantastic. Uh, so we get episode two, which you've kind of alluded to at the very beginning of it. Um, but she's also been told that the devil has vanished. Yeah, it's uh, like, like it's sort of like interesting. Like, and she's trying to figure out like why did the arm leave? Like, what happened? Yeah. So, um, and she goes trying to look um, for Roka, but no one seems to like know where she is, what she's doing. So she gets on a train. She goes to another town, and when she leaves the station, of course, uh, her friend he got uh, Higasa is uh, with her and goes the opposite way but the second she's alone who the fuck shows up but our man kaiki the goat is back the goat is back so obviously this this reveals that um his like demise so to speak at the end of hitagi end was not real um i have a theory about that okay I think the whole thing with him getting beaten up he actually paid that middle schooler to beat him up to make you think so appearances I do. But, like, it's an interesting thought. And, like, maybe it did stage it. Because we know, like, something's going on in the, back, the background. Like, literally the end of the second season is, like, with the boy, like, Ogi told me, Ogi told me you're the one who caused all this. And he lashes out at him. And yeah. I, I maybe, I don't know if it's staged. I think he, he actually, like, just barely survived that. Although it could I, be with maybe. Kaiki. You can never know. Like, literally, he's, like, an unreliable narrator. He is. He's a very unreliable. He, who who knows? Did it even happen? I don't know. <laughs> How'd you like the goatee look? Ah, uh, the goatee Kaiki is best Kaiki. I don't care what anyone says. It's, it's up there. It's up there. Like I like Hawaiian short Kaiki as much as the next dude, but I I love goatee Kaiki. It's great with the um, old suit. And back. the fact that he just the, the funny thing is when uh, Kaveru tries to. Um, to run away from he just goes like all full sanic mode and just runs in front dude, of dude that that brawny animation is fantastic and like and, it, it and, is and, like- and i love i love when like he's she's exhausted and he picks her up like you pick up a cat that she like whips her and she's like <laughs> i love that that sound that sound that she makes i i'm i'm convinced that no human being can make that sound so fucking good it sounds like a fucking wipers on a car i love that i, I love it's, it's again it sort of again reinforces that that sort of notion that every time like the, uh, the cast and anyone in the cast meets kaiki most of the time it's like one of the high schoolers and whenever it happens the show does such a good job of like sort of like like getting you to notice oh okay all these like high schools they're like this shit talk and they pretty smart i guess but goddamn like 
They have nothing on Kaiki. Nothing. Absolutely. Just destroys them. So, um... So Kaiki convinces uh, Kamburu to come with him to a restaurant and has one of the best conversations I think I've ever had seen in Monogatari. I love like, this there's scene. There's some good it's conversations so good. in Monogatari, but this one is good. It's uh, such a great scene. It's so, you know, sort of like chill, you know? There isn't much tension in it. It's just like, you know, just Kamburu and Kaiki talking and eating meat and it's it's great and the whole thing and the whole thing plays out like every time you see like a pan or a, or a cut to to Kamru's face she she can't really decide whether she should trust him or not because she knows who he is yeah because um Hitagi has told her about him yeah she knows um, all of it so he's not sure he's not sure what to what to believe because she she's been told all these things from from um Hitagi about Kaiki and then when he's actually in front of her doesn't seem anything like Hitagi has led her on to believe. So you have this scene that's all, most of most of the time it's just Kaiki trying to like because let's 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 go back to fucking all the way back to Nisei Monogatari when Kaiki like met Aragi in front of Kanbaru's house. Ever since then like when he got to town he he knew Kanbaru was there and was trying to meet her somewhere so this is like and he was trying to get close to people who knew yeah him. so all this led up to this moment of him talking to him you have this entire scene of him trying to convince her i'm on your side i'm here for you like it, it's great i love this thing it's so group it's so yeah. good I, I i also like you get a lot of backstory too that we haven't gotten yet about her actual mother yeah and um her aunt who we have met um izuko um and we also get a lot of backstory between um, Kaiki and uh, Kambaru's mother, Toei. Um, her, their, their relationship, it was a friendship that they had in college. And like there were some unrequited feelings that Kaiki had for her. And he got very bitter about the fact that she got married and had a kid. And then, and I love her when she, she points, died. and I love when she points, and when Kambaru points that out, that it's like, oh, you're not calling me by my father's, like, name like my name Kanbaru you call me by my mother's name and it's like and she's like calling it out it's like it's like sort of trying to shake it off and it's like not real it's like it's not that big of a deal but obviously like he had feelings for it. it's very very obvious and then well and you mentioned the whole naming thing and it's like he doesn't want to call her by her father's name and he doesn't want to really call her by call her uh, by her mother's name and so she's like, well, why don't you just call me Sugura? Because that's my fucking first name. And he's like, are you sure? Because <laughs> like that's that's a, that's a cultural thing, right? Like yeah. in the West, it's not a big deal to call people by their first names. In 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 the East, particularly Japan, calling someone by their given name is a big deal. <laughs> it's more of like a thing between like family members or lovers or really good friends. Yeah, I mean. And here we go again the theory that maybe Kaiki is Kamburu's dad. It's it's like I I love that theory because it's mm. not necessarily like one hundred percent probably the truth, but you know, like I can I can I can buy it that maybe that's like a dynamic that we yeah. don't know of like he is or dad. I just I, I I I feel like it's a missed opportunity. I don't I, Knowing what I know now, I don't think he is. I actually do think that the whole unrequited love thing actually makes Kaiki more endearing because, like, he's just trying to keep this promise to, to Toei that he wasn't able to keep while she was alive. Um, 
but there's a part of me that really wishes it was true that they had a child uh or well that toy got pregnant and to, to cover up the fact that it wasn't kaiki's child she immediately just got married to another guy mm. yeah like i i love that dynamic I, that's sort of like kept in secret I know, like, there's theory. just enough, like, half-truths that Kaiki throws out there that make you think, well, maybe it's, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, and there's also that, that's, that part in the scene where Kaiki gives Kambru, like, his calling card, and I want to point out, so right before he gives it to her, he takes it back, and he, he writes something on it, or, or he crosses out, and then you see it back again. What he's crossed out is the Ghostbuster thing, and so all you can see is his Oh, name. I didn't notice he that. He doesn't want her to think of him as a con man or a Ghostbuster. He wants Kambru to think of her just as Kaiki. I, I didn't even notice that he crossed that out. That's so interesting. He crosses out his profession and it just leaves his phone number and his name. Huh. And then before he... he doesn't want her to think of him as anything but just Kaiki. Interesting. I, 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 that's actually I didn't pick up on that. Huh. And that proves to me that Kaiki, despite all of his like you know secrecy, all of his like you know half truths and lies, he genuinely cares about comedy. And that's the point of the and scene to some extent. Yeah. Good. Like, and he wants her to have a good life. He wants her to be protected, and he wants to protect her. And that's like what he's trying to do. For like, he even talks about it. It's like, like. There, like probably all this time, like Itagi and Arogi told her all the, thi- the things they did, and he, she, he, she might think of him as like an evil person. But it's like all he's trying to do, like he doesn't trying to, he's not trying to cheat Kanbro or swindle her or anything. He's like actually, he's just trying to help her. That's like his mission in this thing. He's trying to like get her to trust him. Yeah. Um, another thing that it's, it's pointed out, and I think it's a great point that Kaiki makes, is that no single person is always pure evil or always pure good. Yeah. Like, there's no such thing as either of those. And I think that's generally true in the real world, too. Yeah. And, I mean, again, we um, know Kaiki, like, as a character, was presented as, like, this evil bad guy, you know, this menacing person. And then, like... Like, literally a few episodes after his reveal, you see him just eating donuts, like, outside of town. Because yeah. he's just it's a like guy. When you, the first time you see him and they do the close-up on his face, there's the word threat in his eyes. Right, that's true. Yeah. Um, also, he he reveals to her that he knew about the mummified monkey's paw and that he was the one who had, um, entrusted... Um, um, or he knew about the fact that her mother yeah. entrusted her with the monkey paw and he warned her not to use it. Is even like saying or like um, there's a collector like like she she should probably like give that collector that like monkey paw so that's why like she's safer away from it you know yeah doesn't mention who the collector is just says that there's a collector and if you find this collector you should probably just give it up and then that final section of like he before he leaves he's like uh, by the way eat meat he's like repeating that eat meat 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 I fucking love that so I. I, I I have taken. There's a couple of ways I could take this, and there's one way I, I kind of think I want to take it, but I don't know if it makes Kaiki a good person or not. I think he knows that she's a lesbian, <laughs> and I don't think he approves. And I think that's what the whole meat thing is supposed to be. A I love that to. interpretation. I, I I really like that. Like I couldn't think of like like obviously it's like oh you need to grow a bit more, you need to like to eat more meat and the whatnot. So like, yeah, there is the literal sense of it, but I kind of like that inter- interpretation. It's like. I know, like chicks and all, but please <laughs> stop. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 women are great, but um, you know, cocks are pretty great too. I mean, there's this one cock you really oh like. Oh my it's, god! It's attached to Koyomi. <laughs> He's taken. Leave it. 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I know there's there's a couple of different interpretations I've read about that, and that's my favorite though, is the fact that like he he knows that she's into women and he doesn't approve. <laughs> God damn it, Papa Kaiki. <laughs> Anyway, so that's pretty much how um, the second episode ends. So we get on to episode three, and we have a confrontation between um, Kamburu and Roka. Yeah, Kamburu meets up with Roka again after uh, Kaki reveals Numachi's uh, location. Yeah, and um, we find out that she is indeed the collector that Kaiki mentioned because she reveals that she has the, uh, the devil's left arm. Uh, yeah, which apparently that's why she touched Kanbaru's boob, aside from just like, you know, why not? I guess that's how she stole I it. I mean, yeah, why wouldn't you want to touch her boobs, though? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> not um, and then, And then she's like, hey, want to do some one-on-one? Because we're here with a basketball court. <laughs> God damn it. I think that was part of your fantasy more than the actual show, Alex, let's be honest. I mean, I'd love to see a one-on-one between them. Just um, not that kind of one-on-one. Chef, it's fine. You don't, don't, don't indulge this this guy, please. Don't indulge this man. Um, yeah. Um. So, uh, despite the fact that um, Roka seems to be, um, shall we say, disabled because of her leg, um, it's all an act. Uh, because when she does the one-on-one with Kambru, she is more than a match for Kambru's basketball skills. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't seem to have the limp at all when she's, uh, going down the court. Yeah. yeah she, I mean, she's quick, she's fast, you know, it's like, kind of like when Kambru used the devil arm to fight, uh, Aragi. She was like, very, very, very scary. And then, they kiss. <laughs> I just imagine you like holding the two toys. And now you kiss, <laughs> pushing it against okay, each other. Okay, now kiss. Now kiss. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, where was I going with this? I got distracted. You distracted me with kiss. this fu- fucking scene I've had in my mind now. Anyway. Uh, oh, so no, she she one of the things that she reveals. Um, during their whole spill the tea session after the the one on one is the fact that how she got started doing this um when when Roka was in the hospital because of her leg injury someone had come to her and and told her about their their issues and while she was sitting there you know with her leg injuries she had that feeling it's like well at least I'm not you at least I don't have it that bad yeah and that's kind of how she got started with it. She just talked to her, and then um, that person came back and said that their problems were gone. And then she felt felt like, well, I can just keep doing this. I felt good. Yeah. And then she just kept going with it. She just kept going, like, talking to people and, like... I tell you, schadenfreude is a hell of a drug. I know, right? It's like, I also, like, we sort of like there's also, like, one point, like, that Kanbru, like, noticed, like, when she was playing against a, a Numachi, is that like her how quick she was it sort of reminds her of itagi when she was running which again like goes back to that point of like being stuck on that like sort of like stuck in place it's all like remembering all these things in the past and like the people that are around her anymore um yeah but anyway um uh i like how and it's funny so during during this there's something that uh roka says that is kind of thrown in in uh kambaru's face it's something that's been said multiple times at this point in the monogatari series about people being the best way to solve their own problems man it's almost like monogatari is like has an overarching like 
lesson it's trying to teach people, and it keeps shoving it in people's faces. Yeah, yeah, I, I forgot how, <laughs> like, throughout this rewatch, I forgot how many times it's, like, pointed out this fact of, like, you can only save yourself. Um, yeah. And you, and you get it tackled from so many different, like, uh, angles. And again, this one's, like, people are not trying to help themselves. They just need someone to, like, sort of listen to them, and that will sort of help them get over it or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, <clears throat> Roka, th- th- a lot of this episode is literally just this conversation between um, Roka and, and Kambru. Um, and there's a lot that's gone into. Some of it's not all that important. Um, but, I mean, we all we, we kind of have the point already that Roka is someone who just ab- absolutely obsesses over the misfortune of others. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she found out after she had hurt her leg that it was never going to function the way it did before. Yeah. Right? And so... She knew that she wasn't going to be anywhere near as, um, uh, shall we say, physically active as she was ever able to be in the past. So she decided to make collecting misery an actual hobby, which is a hobby I wouldn't get into. But that's not for me to say. (laughs) Um, And so... Part of part of what happened during all of this is that, like, because she had collected so much misery, she had, like, her leg had transformed <laughs> into this, like, creature. Yeah. No, her leg, devil, no. like So leg. she goes in more details how she got the devil's leg. That's mainly, like, a person, like, that happens in the next episode, which she dev- how she actually found the leg. But mostly we, in this section of like the, the arc, we sort of get why she started way before yeah. she had the devil's parts, why she sort of like started quote unquote collecting misery and how like that got her to where she is. And how through that, she actually met up with Kaiki. Like they actually, yeah. she this reputation of her grew and like she came in contact with Kaiki who was like, trying not to step on each other's business, so to speak. They sort of like exchange information and, just like went on the way and like when she met him that's how she like came across like the whole thing with apparitions and whatnot and yeah and in a way like they're they're kind of the same like they're both conning people they're just doing it in very different ways one of them does and, it like as a business and, and, and a she big difference is, yeah and she does it for like big, her own a big difference is kaiki is kaiki is stealing people's money yeah but she like sort of like <laughs> does it for her own selfish reasons it's just like most of the time yeah. she's like not harming anyone um, and she essentially now has this quest to like get all of the different rainy devil parts together. Which then we in the fourth fourth episode that's where we arrive at the story, uh, and when she talks yeah. about like actually meeting this like uh, classmate, uh, Ruka Nadori, uh, who actually asked for help. She she also approached her asking for help about like a certain situation she has at home. Um, that that I will I want to say that threw me for a loop the very first time I watched this. Oh yeah, um, that there were two Rokas and I didn't put that together at first. Yeah, yeah, it's I thought that she was talking about that she met herself, and I'm thinking, wait, wait, what? Or is this a cousin? I met my true is this self. A sister? I don't know. I I don't know. Just, just the fact that there were two people named Roka, like that, just threw me for a loop the first time I watched this. Oh yeah, it's like it's most of the time like Monogatari doesn't like folk like if like you. The characters come across like a certain other person who's not that relevant to like the whole overarching story of Dark. Like they'll just be no like they'll be known as like a person or a family member or whatnot. But like both yeah. with Higasa and now like the second Roka, like actually like give it full names. Like probably like a very small detail, doesn't matter a whole lot, but like sort of like I don't know. 
caught my eye, I guess. I, I don't I don't know. It, it's a weird, weird, uh, weird decision there by Nisio Eason, but I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. I just the first time I, I I watched this, I had to like rewind it, and it's like, wait a minute, what? You talk to yourself? <laughs> She's a Lincoln Park fan. Yeah. Anyway, go on. I'm sorry. I, I interrupted you. Um, yeah, anyway, so she comes across this, like, classmate, and uh, apparently, the, like, so the, there's this whole, like, side story about this, like, classmate who uh, got pregnant from a boyfriend, and obviously she was, she's a high schooler, so her mother didn't approve, uh, and she wanted, like, to just pretty much do an abortion, um, so, like, this... Uh, the student, so she actually came across this uh, devil's leg, and she wished upon like somehow to 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 be able to be with her boyfriend, keep the baby, which caused her leg to transform and start kicking her mother till she was ho- hospitalized. Because you know that's how kind of kind of like what happened with Kambru in the monkey. Yeah, ball. pretty much a monkey's paw. You know, it's actually part of the devil's uh, like uh, part, and that's and when uh, and uh, no much actually talked to her and sort of like and and she heard her story she acquired the leg somehow after doing that because i guess that sort of like led uh, that student like she sort of like got so, sort of re- was relieved to share the story with someone and that led to no much acquiring the devil's leg yeah um i also like the fact that the conversation sort of ends with um with roca pointing out to to Kambru, and i think this is largely true how if you appear to be disabled in some way people just inherently trust you more yeah and i think this is true in real life yeah. as well like that's a really interesting there's, observation there's this, there's this like degree of trust that people seem to innately have with people who at least appear to be disabled in some way because you, I, I don't know if it's like just a failing of of the human mind that you just immediately go to. Well, someone who's disabled surely won't do anything to harm me when you see yeah. them. It's it's also trust, but I think it's also because it comes from a place like maybe it's very like negative to think of it. But if, I think it also also comes from a place of pity to some extent. That people, yeah. yeah, well, she kind of mentions that it's like people you people like see someone who's um disabled especially someone who's physically disabled who has a very, a very obvious physical disability and your immediate thought is oh sort of yeah and it's not necessarily a good thing either. it's a really interesting like, observation yeah i just i it, it's great that she pointed that out because like it, it one of the obvious questions is well if you're not actually disabled anymore because of this why are you still running around with a limp um and you don't actually have to. Well, that's why, because if I appear to be disabled, people will inherently trust me a lot easier. And it's it kind of is different from how um, Combrew went about it. Like she, had, it's not as much of a disability, I guess, as um, as the leg injury that um, that Roka originally sustained. But her running around with the the rainy devil arm, like she just hit it, and she went on her with her life pretty much as normal. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, she didn't play basketball anymore, but, but I mean, more or less, she went on with her life as as normal. Yeah. So, uh, kind of a very different um, what's the what's the phrase I'm looking for? Very different approaches to how they each um went about having these different parts of the rainy devil on. Them. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and that's sort of like the thing that Nomachi at the end of like, at the end sort of like wishes for Kanbu to just like, you know, go back to her regular lives now that she is like, doesn't have the devil's arm, go back and like just have a regular high school life, you know? Yeah. Let me collect the misery. You go have a good life. Yeah. Um, and then after they part ways, uh, we, uh, Combra receives a call from Carrot and she reveals, dun, 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 Roka's been dead this whole time. I see dead people. <laughs> I see dead people. That was actually kind of a shock the first time. That was a good twist. This. That was a really good twist. That was a really, that was a really good twist. Also, yeah, like, um, and not, not, and she's not just dead. She killed herself. Also, like, one small, like, uh, one small, like, little tiny detail that I love before that, she, before that scene with Karen, when that happened, so Kanbury is, like, in, like, in bed after talking to Numachi and being like, oh, I guess, it's like, I just leave it at that, it's not my business, like, I just, let, I'll end it here and not, not get involved anymore than I have. And you have this very small detail about, like, undressing herself, and she's, like, trying to, like, get the school uniform off of her in a very, like, peculiar way, and it's because she used to do it with the devil's arm, and she couldn't, like, you know, use her hand much, and she still, like, didn't let go of the fact that she doesn't have that arm anymore, which is, like, I like that detail. It's a really cool detail. Yeah, it's a nice little detail in the anime. Yeah, you're right. But, yeah, so, uh, no one, she's dead. Yeah, she's, uh, she's been dead for a while. Um, so after her leg injury, um, which caused her to end her career, she, um, she got super, super depressed, um, left school, left town, and then slit her wrist right before graduation day. Yikes. Big yikes. <laughs> yeah, it's mm, kind of fucked. <laughs> yeah. And... Um... So she's been talking to a ghost this whole time. Yet another apparition. It's an apparition essentially collecting another apparition. Yeah. Throughout second season, we've built to, built to this like idea of like the apparitions being more like I don't know if sentient, but like more than just like you know these like forces of nature. It's like interesting, yeah. and it's almost as if because of the nature of how um Broca died like the misery that she was in she can't essentially like pass on yeah for lack of a better term um so she's kind of stuck here yeah it's again someone who's just sort of like stuck in place to some extent so Cobbert does what every um level-headed person does when they find out they've been talking to a ghost she goes for a nighttime run i love that scene how she just like goes hard she like runs for she mm-hmm. books it yeah, I want to say, like, the running animation throughout this scene is, like, chef's kiss. It's all hand-drawn, too. I, lo- I love the editing as well. Like, how, like, the the cut is sort of, like, tied to, like, the her breathing pattern to some extent. I, yes. I love that editing choice. It's so cool. So, like, getting in her head. Yeah, it's, it's some really good, it's some really good cinematography. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she just runs and runs and runs, and she leaves town, and she just, gets to the- just 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 like a Forrest Gump. I kept running and running and running. Pretty much, yeah. Until and literally runs till till she collapses, and she, what do you know? Collapses at a crossroad, huh? The symbolism, the symbolism. Yes. Yeah, and at a crossroads in her life, and who should find her? But the he- the true hero of the Monogatari series, the truest chads of all, a round car. <laughs> Not um no so um in the middle of this uh intersection she meets koyomi 
who um has so we've talked about the Nisu Eason haircut before, right? Uh, Kuyomi has the opposite. He's got the Nisu Eason hair growth. I mean, uh, we didn't mention, but also like Kanbu has this like l- really long hair right now, and which she is absolutely rocking. By the way, I love that look. But yeah, both of them with yeah. very long hair. Yeah, both of them have the the super long hair, and uh, Koyomi's like, "Hey, get in! I'll take you back to town." <laughs> and I love, I love like with like the first thing she talks about is how she was disappointed in him. In him, she's like, "Ah, oh, you always talked about how your pure precious bicycle is your life or whatever, and now you're driving a car." And she's like, "But it's so round. <laughs> it's so round." <laughs> Also, I love the, uh, the Shinobu keychain. is is just mwah. yeah, it's the, fantastic. The, yeah, it's a great it's a great touch. It's a great touch. Um, and then they just have this conversation as they're driving back into town about all the um, her reservations, her insecurities about herself, um, how lonely she is now that both her he and um, Hitagi are gone. Um, yeah, just about how like miserable she's been since they left, kinda. And I love how she's, like, trying to, like, get her to understand, like, we miss you too. Like, Itagi really misses you as well. It's it's not, yeah. it's it's okay to feel that way, you know? Uh, yeah. and it's also worth mentioning that it's kind of, it's it's said offhand, but the reason that they're off and away is because they're both at college together. Oh, which I fucking love. I love, I just, give me, give me a whole, like, TV show, just a slice of life of Koyomi and Itagi just in college studying together. What if I told you <laughs> for real that monster season exists? <laughs> Please, Shaft, fucking give it to me. Uh, but no, I, I love the conversation that they have on the way home, and it's like it's like they're airing their grievances to, at each other, and it's like it's great. It's like it's almost like it's cathartic in a yeah. way what they're doing. Um, and I just uh, I love it. Great I also scene. love the fact that um, as they're driving back, there is a scene where they drive into a tunnel, right? Mm-hmm. And when they drive into the tunnel, it's night. But when they drive out, it's yeah. day. Well, it's not. It's not day. It's it's the sun is it's just starting to come up. Yeah. And like the symbolism there that they've had, they've had this like conversation where they're airing out their differences. She's laying out kind of how miserable she is, and Koyomi has given her some advice about you know how to kind of deal with some stuff uh, um and then they they come out of the tunnel and the day is starting to just begin it's literally like the symbolism of the start of a new day yeah. the light at the end of the tunnel yeah yeah definitely i love that symbol because yeah so she much. talks about like her dilemma like i love how she puts it how like no much she is like she doesn't mention her name she's like i know this person who's like just happy about like being so like misfortune and being so miserable and and, and she's like throughout throughout this entire arc, like literally, like her mother tells her what tells her what to do, and uh, Kaiki tells her what to do. No much, she tells her what to do. Like people tell tell her to do this or that, like stop running away or keep running away or whatever. And like, and she just doesn't know what to do. And like, and Arag is like, just do whatever you you want. Just do what you feel feels right to you. Like if you if you have this yeah. like urge in you, something in you, just just do it. And it's like just do, just do it. And it's like it's funny because it's another person telling what to do, but it's like, but it's putting it in the way of like, listen to to your feelings, like what you feel, whether it's right or wrong. What does your gut? Yeah, what does your gut tell you? And yeah, she she knows she what she needs to do. And then when she gets home, and she has a little realization that by the time that she gets home, she knows what she needs to do. 
and she's greeted by a package when she gets. I home. wonder who gave it to her because, like previously in the arc, I... she calls Kaiki, but then hangs up the phone after a few rings. So I wonder who gave yeah, that. And then she opens it up, and there's a mummified head inside. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder who hmm. gave her this package. As, as I rub my goatee. As I rub my goatee and adjust my glasses. <laughs> um. So no, uh, that's pretty much the end of episode four. And then we get to the final episode of um, this story arc, episode five. Um, uh, Kambaru is, is a little um, a, a little depressed, <laughs> um, slightly. Um, so she skips school until the 20th. So that's, what, 10 days? Oh. That she doesn't go to school? I think it was uh, nearly 10 days. Wasn't we... I, I don't... I, don't, I haven't wrote that down for myself. I think like the previous day was the 16th, maybe? Maybe I'm wrong. Was it? Okay. I think so. Okay. Though. Never mind. Never mind. So let, let's say a little under a week. Yeah. She doesn't go to school. But then she does. And um, shock of shocks. Um, specifically. Roka's in the gym. Yes. She specifically <laughs> goes to the gym to meet up with the Numachi. And uh, yeah. she. Because she, th- she has that realization that, wait a minute. If she's going to meet me, that's where she's going to meet me. Yeah. And then when she realizes, she sees Kanbro has the devil's head. Which was inside the package, and she realized that Kaiki sort of like get, gave it to Kanbaru, and maybe Kaiki sort of orchestrated this like meeting to some extent. Yeah, um, and then they have this this conversation where Kanbaru comes to the realization that Roka doesn't know that she's dead. Yeah, she thinks she's still very much alive. Yeah, and that happens right before uh, they they decide to do uh, again do another basketball game for the the head of the devil. That Gunbro just uh, received. Uh, I love that part of like Roka's like I don't, I don't need to take your deal, and and Gunbro is like, Fuck, yeah, you do. Otherwise, I'm gonna fucking smash a hammer into this. It's like damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's like desperate times call for desperate measures. Watch me smash this head with a hammer. And yeah, so then they proceed to have this like one final game, and I love the arena. I love like how how. The moment it transforms, it transforms and I, like I love because like the moment it starts to fill up with water is when Kamba realizes that Nomachi doesn't know she is dead and she, the, like the sort of like mm. truth sort of like like is like taking a toll on her. It's like makes her anxious because you know it's kind of like fuck how I'm gonna tell her because like she de- isn't even aware she's dead. Like what the fuck? Yeah, I always thought that the water was supposed to be like this a reference to being baptized. I thought I I think it was like the, just the, the the like how that realization is like just like makes her so like it's like a it's like a weight on her to some extent now you know it's like drowning her. I get it. I, I I feel like there's a couple of different ways you could interpret the the you know the basketball court filling up with water. Yeah. Either way, that visual is just very very striking. I love it. I also like the fact that despite um, that they were essentially rivals, this is like their first official game that they played against each other. Mm-hmm. And and I love how uh, simple it is that Kamaru wins that game. Like she she just tosses the ball right back at uh, Numachi, and then just takes her away. It takes it away from her and scores the the uh, the slam dunk. I love that previously, like in a previous episode. Then when she's like, so why never? Why didn't you never like do like a, a dunk? It's just like, oh, it feels kind of, it it feels like cheating. Cheating. And then, uh, <laughs> then like, hey, you cheated. <laughs> hey, you cheated. You che- hey, I had to do what I had to do. 
Uh, yeah, I, I love the simplicity of how she's able to because she knows that she's outmatched. Yeah, because she has both the the leg and the and the arm. Like a third, she was like a so, third of her body is like a, the devil's body. Yeah, pretty much. And um, um, but she so she knows that like if they actually go one on one, she's not going to win. So she had to come up with like a sort of. Uh, a dishonest tactic, I guess you could say, in order to actually win um, the game. I've actually seen the way that she did that. I've seen it work in an actual basketball game. Oh before. shit! Really? <laughs> I've actually seen it happen where you're not obviously a defenseman's not expecting to be passed the ball by you know the other team, so you use it to distract them and then take the ball and go over their head. I've actually seen it Damn. happen in basketball games before. Now, granted, the only times I've ever actually seen it work is in high school basketball games, but hmm. still. Nice. Uh, but yeah, so she wins the game. Yeah, uh, yeah, she wins the game. Um, Roka, I, I also love, there's so much buildup to it, and then it's over just like Yeah, that. it's very, very, su- it's like very quick. <laughs> um, so, but Roka accepts the defeat. Um and um, in her, like, I guess, final moments, she's, like, pl- almost pleading with Kambru. It's like, hey, go back to basketball. I, you know you love the game. You don't have this hindrance of the, the monkey's paw anymore. You can do it. You've got this. You're obviously still in good shape. Yeah, and I love how she sort of realizes that from that, like, very small exchange of just, like, Kambru passing the ball to her. And she's like, man, I was always, like, playing by myself basketball, but apparently it's a team game. And it's sort of like made her feel sad that like she was never able to be a part of that sort of team feeling like camaraderie you know she was always by herself alone yeah yeah and she even mentions this in a, in a, another um conversation where like no one would ever pass her the ball that's right well it, ser- it turns out now her opponent was the only one passing her the ball mm. and yeah and then she vanishes uh, and leaves the devil's parts uh there behind her yeah yeah, and so like Kambru collects them, and then Kambru has this like realization about how jealous she was of um, of Roka, and I think like that that realization is like, man, God damn it, it's deep. <laughs> God damn, it's one of those deep anime moments. But yeah, and then we get uh, to the sort of like the epilogue to some extent of uh, Hanamonogatari. Mm. Yeah, she has that like flashback again to um, the conversation. Um, with her mother, mother. Um, and her mother is echoing that whole thing about good and evil, medicine, poison, um, and and she wakes up naked, and um, Koyomi's just standing over her. <laughs> classic, classic Koyomi, right? <laughs> classic Koyomi. And I love how she's like, she's like, ah, oh, it's like, it's like, she's like, she's like shocked at him watching her naked, which is a very actually. Very different from most of the time when, like, literally, like, in Bakemonogatari, Kanburu is like, oh, let's uh, let's strip. And he's like, no. And I love how now she's shocked at Koyomi. He's like, don't worry. I'm more interested in my sisters. <laughs> yeah. My man. <laughs> God damn it. Um, yeah. Um, and then they, they have that conversation about what, what should they do with all the devil parts, uh, which is a good question. Um, they've obviously caused a bit of uh, trouble. Uh, thus far, and but they also feel like, and Koyomi makes the um, the argument that the d- despite the fact that they could be used for evil, they're still cultural artifacts that should be at the very least put on display or given to uh, an outfit that can do something about them. 
you know, keep them safe. And, then, and they shouldn't just be destroyed. And then I love how he was like, maybe I should use them to wish so like, so my sisters could be my stepsisters. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking stupid. Dude, I love how like this arc, like, sometimes treats Aragi, like, in the first episode when uh, when uh, Kanbur goes to Itagi's, like, uh, table and she reminisces about her, and then and she texts Aragi. So, like, one, one of the girls hears her talk about Aragi. So, all the girls like, Aragi? Aragi? <laughs> mm. Just fangirl all over him. So stupid. Yeah. He was um, obviously quite popular. He left a legacy behind him, I'm sure. He left a legacy behind, which is what any high schooler can ask for, I suppose. Um, but no, I, I love that conversation, how they go back and forth about what to actually do um, with the 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 devil parts um <clears throat> and i also love that after this conversation we have that cut to um uh koyomi cutting kamaru's hair i love uh, that scene back to having it short again yeah just like when uh, he first met her yeah so normally with with nisuisen stories you don't actually get to see the nisuisen haircut like a character will have like this this life-changing epiphany or realization and off screen they'll cut their hair and they'll come back and you won't see it. This is the only one, I think, that you actually get to see happen. <laughs> I think you're correct. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and I love that all... I love how he cuts that one little part off and he's like, are you sure about this? <laughs> she's like, let's do it. Yeah. I, I love Kamburu with long hair. Not gonna lie. I think that's my favorite uh, design of her from Hana. I don't know. I, I have to disagree. I think that all the characters in, in Monogatari that we've seen with short hair look better with short hair. Mm. But maybe that's me because I actually prefer women with short hair. <laughs> I suppose. I don't know. I think Kamba rocks the long hair. Well, let me be Great. let me be let me be clear. I, I prefer tomboys with short hair. Right, okay. I get it. I actually do like long hair, but I like it on women who are not tomboys. And I think that Combru definitely classifies as a tomboy. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I agree. Um But yeah, and that's that's pretty much how it ends. It sort of ends with um there's a sort of monologue at the very end with um um uh, Kambru telling us, the viewer, that she's going to go visit the grave, um, Roka's grave, um, and grant her wish of gathering the devil's parts um, for her sake. Um, yeah. And then I like the the sort of like off the off the cuff um, statement that Koyomi makes about this. Like, you know, there's going to be people that um, uh, will question your decision, right? And uh, Koyomi's like, yeah, you should ignore that. <laughs> And yeah, then that's the end. And then it cuts to the quote-unquote OP. Last year, my, my adolescence, that you have this whole, like, context for this. Like, you have all these scenes of Kanburu and Numachi together. And then when Numachi breaks her leg, she just, like, you know, she she tears up and she cries in the rain. And it's very, very emotional. Ah, I love that ending. I love that ending so much. I, I also like the... So, the, the obvious... The title of that is The Last Day of My Adolescence. And... The when she cuts her hair, it's obviously like her the last day of her adolescence, and she has that realization that you know people might not always agree with me, and I don't always have to do things that people agree with. I can make my own decisions. Yeah, yeah. and I think there, there's like that symbolism there that once you realize that that is the last day of your adolescence, 
when you realize that you can live for your own sake and you don't have to always listen to the opinions or the the wants and the wishes of others and you can live your own life that's when you're not an adolescent anymore i tell you man i don't want to get is fucking great what yeah, a good art i said this before and i'll say it again i think this is something that while you might not like it as much as the other parts the first time with subsequent rewatches i am liking it more and more and more yeah Hanuman Gadra is fantastic for sure. It's it's great. It's a good yeah, good time. Um, so yeah, that's all of second season done. We've done it. We've done it. We've gotten, through, we've gotten through second. No season. final season, and that's about it. Yeah. Well, and Kizu. And Kizu. That's technically right. part of first season. Kizu is going to be a lot of fun to go back to. I'm very very excited. But that's that's in a in a bit. That'll be in a yeah. bit. So um, yeah, this has been Hanuman Gadra. So next is going to be the first part of um final season which is suki monogatari Whoop. so it's been quite a while since i've watched um suki monogatari so it's gonna be really and I, I i remember the one thing i do remember about it is i actually genuinely liked it even though it's for a lot of people they say it's they're one of their least favorite parts of the monogatari series i'll give it credit one of the best openings in the series is from suki oh yes absolutely, oh, absolutely. <clears throat> it'll be great i'm really um, excited to go back to watch it. I, I am I am super super excited for that. I'm also just shocked that we have spent less than an hour and a half talking about Hanumanagatari. <laughs> we restrained ourselves. We did, we did. This is a long time coming, but I'm glad we finally got it done. Yeah. Um, and I really hope that um that all of you out there who have been listening to this have been really enjoying our uh our trip to the Monogatari series because Natai and I have been having an absolute blast rewatching this and talking about it. Yeah, uh, thanks for bearing with us rambling about uh, an anime we love. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there. Um, thank you all for dropping out. Uh, then let me try that again. Thank you all <laughs> nice. there for dropping in to listen to us. <laughs> Easy for me to say. Um, check the description below where you can find links to Anime Club After Dark on Twitch, on social media, and on Discord. Um, we do stream multiple times a week, um, so definitely hit us up on Twitch. We also do stream here on um, our YouTube channel as well. Um, so uh, check us out there if that is where you would prefer to watch us. Uh, we also have a merch store where any purchases you make there do really, really help us out. Um, and yeah, with that, I've been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, Natai. Yeah, so have you been thinking about eating meat lately? Mm, meat. <laughs> Miku. Meat, meat, meat. Miku. <laughs> <laughs> Papa Kaiki, feed me. <laughs> oh, daddy, more meat. <laughs> oh, my God. 